0: So, on top of the normal, serious trigger warning of suicidal ideation and mental health struggles, heavy topics, etc., I also need to add in a trigger warning for profanity, vulgarity, and blasphemy on this episode. This one's not for the faint of heart, one might say, so listen at your own peril. Enjoy right now? Right.
1: So we're recording. We're
0: recording. Okay. We're
1: live. So it's right there. right there. Right there. Right there. As soon as that last note hits. Welcome to the Psych Patient Podcast. Oh. <laughs> this is uh, Nettie Harding. Coming at you live from the beehive state.
0: I always make sure my lips are touching the mic because it probably pulls out people's eardrums. All right, well, hello there and welcome to the Psych Patient <laughs> Podcast. Dougie Bob! Hey. hey! Dougie, Dougie, Dougie.
1: <laughs> and everyone just stopped listening. <laughs>
0: Dougie is the one that wrote the intro outro, and so he's trying to tell me the correct way to do it. And I'm trying to let I'm trying to be humble enough to receive that feedback. Next time, dude. Next time I got this. I don't give a shit. False. (laughs) Okay, um so do we want to talk about how we know each other?
1: Uh, we're just the nearest and dearest of, oldest of friends. And I think, let's just leave it at that. We grew up together. Uh, I took you to prom. Um, we were actually married for three months. Uh, illegally, turns out. And uh, no, no longer, though. So going to be so fucking confused. Why? I just explained how we know each other. <laughs> There's zero confusion.
0: No one knows. No one knows. No, now we met, they do. We met on Bumble. We dated for a while. We're no longer dating.
1: Because I'm a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: <sighs> We're both slightly pining for each other at times, but it's fine. Dougie, should we do the feelings, Will? Yes. Okay, so. What is zero? <laughs> zero being, you feel so good. Like, the best you've ever felt.
1: No, but that's not the way you've done it in the past. We should just continue doing oh, it Oh, you're way right. You've done you're it. right.
0: God, Jesus God, fucking God, Christ. God, this is <laughs>
1: your podcast.
0: <laughs> I got confused again. Okay, wait.
1: No. We're going to edit all this out. Feelings,
0: zero to ten. Ten being the best you've ever felt. Yeah. Zero being the shittiest you've ever felt. Yeah, it's Where are you rapidly at? dropping. I'm like a
1: three. I'm <laughs> no. so
0: upset. Why? No, not really. I'm like a six. You're a six? Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. And what, what word do you want to use to describe your mood?
1: Um, One word is all I get?
0: I mean, yeah, you can okay. add to it if you need to.
1: One word. Oh, boy.
0: I don't always use just one <sighs> word. So I think mean, you... playful. Playful. Yeah. yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Not yeah
1: yeah playful. More like... Playful. That's it. Okay. One word. Bing.
0: Playful. Boom. Your turn. I like it. Okay. Zero to ten. Ten being the best. Just so we're clear. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with six as well, actually. Six point... 1-5. Because it's a competition. Yep. And my word is going to be... I'm feeling anxious. I <laughs> <laughs> I had a bad week last week. I was sick. It's also Monday. It's Monday. <laughs> I'm super nasally because I was sick last week. But I'm on an upswing, I feel like. I feel more Good. like myself today. Good. Yeah. Okay. Next up, dude... Why don't you give us a little a little peek inside your life, your brief <sighs> history of mental illness, mental health, all the things.
1: Okay. Hi, I'm Dougie, and I'm an alcoholic.
0: Hi. Dougie.
1: Uh, hey, thank you. A uh, brief history. I've been anxious for as long as I can remember. Uh, separation anxiety from a very young age. Um, I just very much loved my mother and hated being away from her and hated her being away from me oh yeah i had panic attacks in elementary school but i didn't know what they were then uh, my family moved from ohio to utah and that was when i started getting depressed and the anxiety continued and i started having trouble in school then and that trouble continued to the present day.
0: Trouble meaning
1: what exactly? I don't know. I'm not
0: like focusing. Or yes,
1: just I'm not, not sure what. Well, not wanting to be there was the the biggest issue, and maybe that, maybe not wanting to be there, kind of uh, kick started like daydreaming and thinking about not being there when I was there. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I can relate. But, yeah, so just, yeah, I've just always been, it's been always very easy for me to just, uh, like, mentally take a step back. And I'm still listening, I'm still present, and I'm doing something else in my brain. Yeah,
0: like you're, I get it, actually, because I do that a lot, too.
1: Yeah, I'm, like, singing a song, I'm... You know, having a pretend argument. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a whole other world yes. going on in your yeah, head. Yeah, mentally prepping for a future that will never happen. Um... And uh, yeah, brief history. I had a so I was raised in the Mormon religion. And who oh boy. Hoo oh. oh. oh boy. And I was a I was a pretty good kid, Mormon wise. I did, and then like when I became a later teenager, end of high school, I started being rebellious by Mormon standards. By Mormon standards, Which was really not. Yeah. And then uh, eventually I found myself uh, back in the fold and doing all of the grown up Mormon things as far as, you know, all the secret stuff. All the... I was telling Ooh. secrets and hearing
0: secrets <laughs> and
1: uh I try to be respectful about that and not like uh divulge anything that ought not be divulged. So I'll just leave it at that. I was a yeah, I was a like
0: the fact that sacred meaning is just a big orgy?
1: Yeah. Like
0: Is that the stuff we're not supposed to do? Like with? it's ass
1: to mouth all <laughs> oh my day God. long. <laughs>
0: But
1: tell uh, my mom not to listen <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Janice. Uh, also, what's up? <laughs> oh, So, I was a, I was a very devout Mormon. Uh, I would use the word hyper-religious. I would use the word zealot, even. Mm-hmm. I was very, very into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like studying the history... Reading all of the books. Diving deep. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, uh, again, without going into too many details, I just, I lost my faith. And that led to the uh, end of my marriage and the new chapter of my life, which is now me as Dougie. Dougie Bob. Yes, the Dougie I am right now.
0: More than just a pair of jorts?
1: Ah, just barely more. (laughs) Four blown hooves and a broken heart.
0: That's right. Yes. That's right. Do you feel like the divorce was directly related to religion?
1: It was absolutely directly related. Interesting. Because it, yeah, just um, some problems came up in my marriage And at one point, I just, I knew it was over, but I didn't want it to be over. Mm -hmm. And so I, like, as a couple, me and my now ex-wife, we stepped away from being Mormons. And I, in my mind, I was like, okay, my marriage is over. I know this. I don't want it to be over. So I'm going to, it was like, I felt like I was taking a hiatus, like a sabbatical for Mormonism with the intent of going back whenever the divorce finally happened.
0: Interesting.
1: And like stepping away from Mormonism, that gave, I gave myself permission to uh, start drinking. And then um, I just became very angry and resentful, at, mostly at myself, almost entirely at myself, for causing this terrible thing to happen. Even though logically
0: you know it wasn't yeah. on you?
1: Yeah. Cause it, yeah. I mean, obviously, it takes two to tango. Right. So.
0: But you were taking the responsibility on. Yeah,
1: and I think other. that's a that's a big like that's a stoic Mormon mentality, you totally. know, like the man is in charge. And so if I was like if I was the head of the household, if the household falls apart, then that's I'm the one you. that fucked up. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna edit out that fuck.
0: Oh yeah, there's no <laughs> fucks allowed in this podcast. No fucks given. Um <laughs> so so no fucks lot I don't lot of fucks
1: given. So yeah, that yes. And so that eventually it was a pretty steady decline into uh what became like blackout alcoholism. Yeah. My divorce was finalized in oh, another burp maybe. Oh, kept that one in. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. So, for my ex-wife and I, time in all eternity was 13 years and 16 days. Nice. 16 days after our 13th anniversary, our divorce was finalized. And as far as divorces go, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Like.
0: You guys seem to do really well at being kind and co-parenting and all the
1: things. Yeah. I, the way I look at it is we took away all of the reasons we had to be resentful and angry with each other, and we just kept all the good things, you know, the inside jokes, the history, the love, the mutual respect, and obviously we're both rooting for each other because, uh, I mean, well, because partially had- for selfish reasons because, you know... <laughs> my kids have a shitty mom then i'm gonna have to do more and i don't want to fucking do that yeah and same with her you know yeah. she would lose her weekends off if i were to you know lose my mind and become an absentee father or whatever you know yeah so yeah it's but it's so much more than that like we're definitely we're very much rooting for each other and helping each other
0: yeah when well, i and you're family in a waste like you're still family oh
1: yeah without question we're yeah we're that's how much.
0: i feel with Jesse. It's like, we're- that's how I feel with my ex husband. Is it's just yeah, we're gonna
1: edit that out. <laughs> I know I've never heard his name said ever on this podcast. Well,
0: I don't know if he wants me to say his name.
1: What's too fucking late? <laughs> it's already been said on the podcast. Has it? Yes.
0: Oh shit! Sorry, sorry, Jesse.
1: Oh. Um, and so I feel like that, like that, we can transition right into my like heavy duty mental health issues. Yeah. Because post-divorce, I really... Like, it got really, really dark. Like, when I found myself coming home to an empty house. Yeah. And, like, nothing to do. No kids to take care of during the week. Like, no dinner to make. No baths to give. No teeth brushing to enforce. No bedtime stories to tell. Yeah. I just... I would get home and immediately start drinking Until I went to bed, and then I would wake up, and then I would go to work, and I just did that five days a week. Yeah. Until I picked up my kids for the weekend.
0: Do you feel like picking up your kids on the weekend gave you purpose? Yes. And so during the week, you were just like, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do with myself.
1: Yeah, and still to a large degree, like, I don't know who I am without a family to take care of during the week. Yeah. So it's a very weird feeling. And so that like, you know, so I drank more, drank more and drank more and drank more and drank more and drank more. And I was drinking to stop myself from feeling guilty for abandoning my religion, guilty for my marriage falling apart, guilty for feeling like I was not the dad that my kids deserved and just angry at myself. Yeah. And so eventually I just I just wanted to die.
0: Mm.
1: and so like I stopped going to work I just like was marinating in beer for you know days Mm. and then at some point uh, my ex-wife texted me and like asked me if I was okay and then we had a little conversation and that conversation ended in her taking me to the emergency room (laughs) and like it was so funny because like we go into the emergency room and I'm like Cool a cucumber like I just like put on my uh hey I'm in public persona so like no big deal and you know so the gal at the emergency room's like okay so what brings you in today and I'm like well you know I'm just feeling kind of sad and then like my ex like leans in and is like look he might seem like he's okay but this man is not okay and so yeah eventually I end up In, you know, in a hospital bed, they... I don't know what they gave me. And then, you know, like...
0: Like something to, like... Yeah, like a probably some sort of
1: sedative. And then... So, like, we're sitting in this room. And there was, like... There was a glass door, if I remember right. And so it was me and my ex-wife. And then we're looking out. And, like, of course, there's, like, a CNA or whatever, like, watching me all Mm -hmm. the time. And so, you know, like, we're making up stories about these people. And... Mm -hmm. Eventually, I just—I don't remember what happened. I have like a vague memory of uh, them putting me in an ambulance because they didn't have enough beds At where I went, hospital. and so I—they put me in an ambulance and shipped me over to another one. And like the first two days in the psych ward there, I don't really remember; just a blur.
0: Do you think it was because they had you on something strong, or do you think it was just that it was traumatic?
1: I think the answer is yes. <laughs>
0: yes to both.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, I was, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like prison. It's, <laughs> it's insane. insane. It's weird. There's like this weird, like, foam door to the bathroom and, you know, like, zero sharp corners anywhere.
0: Did your door um, to the bathroom, was, the, was it slanted? And, like, or was it a full door?
1: Well, no, it was like, I don't know how to describe it. It was almost like a gate, but it was like this, it was like this foam and it velcroed shut.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's different than mine. Mine was like slanted, like a gate. Yeah, but mine was wood. Mm. Interesting. It velcroed
1: shut. Yeah. It was so weird. And you know, hospital food. Yeah. And just. Well, and they're checking
0: on you like regularly.
1: Yeah. And I like, I didn't, since it wasn't a, I went in there with zero preparation. So I went in with the clothes on my back
0: mm. and that was
1: it. And they took my phone and everything. And so I'm like, Were you I'm wearing scrubs. No, they like had donated clothes that I don't know how, who they got them from. It's probably like some junkie came in and died at the hospital (sighs) and they were like, you know what, let's put these, uh, let's put these baggy shorts on some crazies. Let's do that. (laughs) Let's make sure we
0: don't wash them
1: first. Yeah, yes. So like I'm wandering around this, you know, hospital wing in someone else's clothes with like nothing.
0: That it, had to be weird to be in somebody it, else's clothes.
1: Yeah, it was jarring to say the least.
0: I at least had my own clothes. Yeah. Except for for the first day, first two days, I was only allowed to wear the scrubs, and they took away my bra, and so I just felt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's halfway there, dude. <laughs> Exposed all oh, the time. Oh man, I
1: wish you had been.
0: <laughs> well, you weren't there to appreciate
1: it. So well, somebody would have been.
0: Anyway, but sorry, yeah, so about me.
1: it was. It was so weird. And but the good thing was, like that got me uh, talking to a psychiatrist, talking to a therapist, and you know, it got me on uh, some good medications.
0: Had you been on medications previously?
1: Yes. I was on, I think it was Wellbutrin for like a year or two leading up to that. But then, um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention this. Like 10 days before I went to the psych ward, my doctor changed my medication. So I think it might be related. It might be related. I mean, I'm not going to say the medication for probably legal reasons, but it was (laughs) Trintelix. But yeah, the doctor was like, oh, so we're going to try this one. Because he's like, you know, like, you're super depressed, you're super anxious, you have both of those things, so we're going to give you this. And, you know, I don't think he had bad intentions, but, like, he totally fucked up.
0: Well, sometimes... No, maybe not.
1: It's just my brain chemistry was weird.
0: I think, though, sometimes... Because I know whenever I've changed medications, it takes me for a ride and it's not good. And a lot of times I'm like, I probably shouldn't be doing this just by myself. Like, I should probably have somebody, like, checking on me every day. And so, probably the same kind of thing. Like, depending on how bad off you are yeah. already, yeah, it's like, maybe... Like, he probably should have had you... Go somewhere to taper off and get on the nerves. Yeah,
1: I was probably already on my way to the hospital at that point. I just didn't know it. Yeah. But yeah, so that being in the hospital got me talking to a psychiatrist, talking to a therapist, and like, you know, they had like recreational therapy, and I'm putting that in big quotes. And it was, but you know, most of the time it was just. Nothing. There was one TV in the lunchroom. Really? And everybody wanted to watch sports, and I don't know about sports. You're not
0: a big sports guy. I'm
1: not. I don't know about sports ball. Unless it's lacrosse. Well, yeah, sure, but nobody gives a shit about lacrosse, (laughs) except for lacrosse players. But yeah, and I, I don't remember how many steps it was, but I remember counting how many steps it was all the way around the entire wing. It was not big. And so we were just
0: like pretty much pacing yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah.
1: And there were there were some really cool people in there. There were a few that yeah, like we connected, but it's also like we're all there going through some shit. Yeah. So you can't really you can only connect so much. It's true. This is true. So yeah, so that's my psych ward experience. Then I got out of that. And were you there for very long? Like I think it was six days, six days, if I remember right. It was, yeah, I think it was a Tuesday to a Monday, if I remember right.
0: Did it feel like when you came out, was it like, did you feel like you'd been in there for like a year?
1: It was, I felt like it had been forever and also no time at all. Yeah. If that makes oh, totally. sense. Oh, totally. Because, yeah. yeah. And it was just, it was so weird to be like out, the sun is shining and, you know, like where I hadn't even had a decent look. At the sky. Yeah. For days. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was weird. And then, yeah, that got me started on my journey to finding a psychiatrist, finding a therapist, uh, trying to get back to work, and absolutely struggling with that. Mm -hmm. Work is so difficult for me to do. Same.
0: (sighs) <sighs> it's not even that you're not a good worker
1: or you're not a hard worker. It's
0: just what do you think the act of getting there? Uh
1: well, it's not a for me, it's not about the work. It's about me. It's mm. about once I get out of bed and out of my place and to work, it's great. Mm-hmm. I'm awesome. But getting out of bed and getting out of my place is like that's a heavy lift.
0: Yeah. Cuz bed is safe. Yes. Um, okay, so then, kind of coming out of that, like, do you feel like you were starting to do better? Or do you feel like you were still struggling? Uh Like, okay, so we met, and when we met, we both were kind of just a couple of hot messes.
1: Um. Hots, hots mess. Hots mess. Yeah.
0: Emphasis on hot. Uh
1: <laughs> Yes. Yeah, when we met, I was on a real tear. Like I was I was <laughs> yeah, I was a wild man <laughs> when we met. The the week we met, I went on four dates with four different women, four nights in a row, and three out of the four nights I got blackout drunk. And yeah,
0: my and- night being one of those. Three.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: But we had a great
1: time. We sure fucking did.
0: did. You don't remember. Uh, oh, it. no, we
1: didn't. Now that I think of no, it. No,
0: we did. We had a great time up until the end. Up
1: until we stopped having a yeah, great time.
0: Yeah, up until the end. And then Dougie was...
1: <sighs> I got a little belligerent. Yeah. And uh, I apologize for that. Yes. But yeah. Apologized and, many a time. And yeah, so I... Yeah, like I just continued drinking. The psychiatrist that I found is, um, she's still my psychiatrist, she's amazing, and she put me on like a, it's called naltrexone, it's like, it's for, um, like, opiate addicts, but it also, I guess, helps with alcoholics, and I would just, you know, I would take my anti-alcohol pills with beer, and then more and more beers, Mm -hmm. beers upon beers, and that was my life, drinking taking my medicine working
0: and then at some point you just stopped going into work
1: yeah again. i just couldn't get out of bed for like yeah. a week yeah i would go from my couch to my bed and i would go to the gas station to get an 18 pack of miller highlife usually i'd buy this i'd buy two at a time usually
0: two 18 packs yeah
1: cuz that would last for 2 days
0: this was kind of your routine yeah. I remember now.
1: Oh, yeah. The ladies, I don't live over there anymore, but the ladies at the gas station, they still know me. <laughs> I'll walk in and they'll be like, hey, long time no see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. So I stopped going to work and yeah, you and I were, were we officially dating at yeah, that point? At yeah. At that
0: point we were.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, we were just, you <laughs> we know. Just,
0: and well, and I had quit my job too Yeah. I, <laughs> Like we said, I was so like, hey, true. I'm drowning. Me too. Let's <laughs> drown together. <laughs> Let's together guys. This is so fun. Let's
1: trauma bond. Let's <laughs> just absolutely destroy each other.
0: Well, I don't feel and like. And we did. No, I don't feel like that's true. Well, okay. In some say, ways. In some ways. But we I feel like we had a pretty good relationship. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly, like that. clearly, um, so, so that, then so, you start yeah. your, at, at a certain point it was like you literally couldn't keep doing what you were doing. It was not yeah. sustainable. So you had to find help.
1: Yeah. Well, and my therapist, I was only seeing my therapist like every six weeks because it's so goddamn expensive. Mm-hmm. And when I was like, I was like spiraling so heavy. And I was like reaching out to her too much more and more, more than I should have been. Well, maybe not more than I should have been, I guess. So the way she put it, it was that I needed more support than she could give me,
0: Mm.
1: which right when she said that to me, I like, it was devastating. I felt abandoned. I felt, you know, like, okay, I am too much. I am too much. But then, you know, like she explained everything and was, you know, like telling me that I needed to be in a more intensive program and, you know, getting help daily, that sort of thing. And so I looked into it. You helped me look into it. Mm -hmm. We were looking together at intensive outpatient programs. And I found one that was that looked good. On the you know, like I read through the website and all that shit, and then I went in for like a what are you? What's the word?
0: Like a what is the word? Um, oh fuck!
1: Somebody's yelling it at us right I don't now. Know. Like a like kind of like an intake Ingenie. interview type thing. That's yeah, not the right word. It's not, but but essentially like uh, a, it's right on the tip of my brain. It's not on the tip of mine. Anyway, so I sat down at this place with a therapist. Assessment? Yes.
0: Assessment. Initial assessment. Initial assessment.
1: And so she asks me these questions and is like, you know, here, I, like, I told her my story. Which, my story is, like, it's just a lot. Like, I don't know. Just, but like in, in the lot. course of yeah. me telling her my story, we cried together. Yeah, and then at the end of it, she said, "I don't think <laughs> I don't think we're a good fit for you." And I'm like, "What the fuck?"
0: I remember that. Yes, because I was super worried. I was
1: that. devastated, and so we
0: went to JCW's after that. Oh,
1: hell yeah! <laughs> Cheeseburgers solve a lot they of problems. Do. They do, and so then um, my therapist then texted me and was like, "Hey, you should go to." I'm not going to say the place, okay. but it was the Phoenix Recovery Center. <laughs> oh my god, are you kidding me? I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> and so she was like, "They they will take you in." And this was end of January last year. No, not January. End of June last yes. year. And so they brought me in for an initial assessment and. I think I toned down my story <laughs> because I didn't <laughs> Please want, take me. yeah, I didn't want the same result as before. And, you know, so the guy, we went through it and the guy was like, okay, we'll, we'll let you know, we'll get back to you. And then it was either later that day or the next day, he was like, he called me and was like, are you really drinking 18 beers a day? Like, is that an accurate number? And I was like, yeah, if anything, that's a low number. <laughs> and he was, so we said, okay, you need to, you will need to detox. Before you can enter our program. And so I felt a little bit tricked. Because what I had been telling people is that alcohol was not the problem. Alcohol was a symptom. And if I could fix the problem, the alcohol problem would take care of itself. And I would stop needing to drink to escape my feelings.
0: Because you felt more like you were not physically addicted, but emotionally addicted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell I tell everybody I'm not an alcoholic. I just prefer to be drunk. Yeah. And and then I always get, well, that sounds like the type of thing an alcoholic would say. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Except the funny thing is, it's true. You detoxed and you
0: were fine. Which, If you were physically dependent, you would not have been fine.
1: So then I enter the the program. I started in the just the outpatient program cuz I you detox by yourself. Yeah. You didn't even go anywhere. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. It was like it was the weekend before it's the 4th crazy. of July and I thought it was going to be bad. I was really worried and it wasn't. Yeah. It was fine. Like I was in contact with the detox center just in case they needed to take me in if my symptoms got bad and they never got bad.
0: Like some people hallucinate some people are like deathly ill. You Some people fine. die. <laughs> no. Uh, Stop. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, ah, oh, everybody hates us so much. <laughs> so I started at like doing um, evenings because my original plan was, oh yeah, I'll start this outpatient therapy program and then I'm gonna be fine. Wrong. Yeah. I still couldn't get myself back to work like could not get myself out of bed and the night yeah the like the group that I was in was just like low energy low participation there was no because I was brand new and there was one other guy that started at the same time as me and we were both like we were enthusiastic and in it to win it but like there was nobody that had experience that could like create some momentum. Yeah, and like and like teach us what we were supposed to be doing.
0: Well, and this was so this was intensive outpatient, which is IOP, which yes. is like less hours.
1: Yeah, it it's was like, a, what, one hours? two hour session for like group therapy session four days a week, and then one one hour therapy session with an individual therapist. And
0: but it just wasn't cutting it.
1: Yeah, it just wasn't enough. And then so I thought it was. Anyway, so then I, I tried going to Daytime IOP, and <laughs> that was a disaster. The route, like, it was a complete opposite. Like, there was so much energy. There were so many big personalities. There were, ju- it, like, it was just, it was wild. And then I opened up a little bit one day, because it was DBT dialectical behavioral therapy and that is holding two seemingly contradictory truths and knowing that they can both be true and so i remember the sentence i said was i got kicked out of the mormon church and i'm not a bad person or maybe it was and i'm a good person i just you know i said that Mm -hmm. and that it was like I dropped a grenade in the middle of the room. It just, it triggered all of the active Mormon people and also all of the anti-Mormon yeah. people. And so it turned into, like, it was insane. Like, just not the reaction I was hoping for, not, it was just so bad. And so I left that that group thinking I was not going to go back At least not going to go back to the daytime group. I was thinking just going back to the nights. But then the next day, my therapist was out of town. And so I had called in and been like, hey, I need to talk to somebody. So I don't because I don't want to go back to the daytime group. And then nobody called, nobody called, nobody called. And so I was like, fine, fuck, I'll go. I'll go to this one group this last time. And then I'm done. And so I went to this group, I think it was a Thursday afternoon. It was the
0: same group of people that...
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just like, I went in and I, I don't think I participated at all. And then I left. And then for whatever reason, I went back on Monday, same time, same group. And I don't remember exactly when it happened, but at some point they were like, okay, you need more support <laughs> than intensive outpatient. Yeah. And so they had this other program called partial hospitalization program which is two two two-hour group therapy sessions a day four days a week and two one-on-one therapy sessions and then you see like a client support coordinator once a week and you see their psychiatrist once a week so like a lot of therapy
0: yeah it's like it's basically therapy is your job
1: yeah yeah, it, therapy became my part-time job. Yeah. So this was July last year. So I started doing that and...
0: And I started my PHP not long after. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was right around the same time. Yeah. And it was... It's been a crazy ride. And then I think it was September last year. I started in July. In September, I was set to like discharge from the program, like from the entire program. And, you know, like I was supposed to be healed. I was supposed to be better. Yeah. I was supposed to be cured. Cured as fuck. (laughs) And I wasn't. And I knew it. And even my therapist knew it. Like we're staring my discharge date right in the eye. And my therapist said to me, you're not ready. And I'm like, what the fuck? Don't say that. Don't, like, I know, but you should be pumping me up. (laughs) Like, yeah, Dougie, you're ready. Yeah, you're just going to kick life in the dick and be so (laughs) awesome. You're going to do so good. And I was not ready to do so good. And so that sent me into a crazy spiral. And I don't know if I've ever been closer to killing myself than I was right. There was like a week of time. Where I was just a complete wreck. Mm. And because of that, (laughs) my therapist and, you know, everybody in the program, a bunch of people came together and they talked to my insurance and they were like, look, this guy's a fucking mess. And so I went back to the partial hospitalization. I was pretty close to going to their residential program because I was such a mess. And it is now... March mm-hmm. of the next year, mm-hmm. so I've been in there for quite some time, and it's April actually. It's not even. Oh March. yeah,
0: it's it's just really time
1: April. keeps flowing like a river. It sure does. So, but now I'm getting I'm, close to so distancing. you're back
0: in IOP now, right? Yeah, daytime IOP. Yes. So that's just a couple hours a day. Yeah, just but uh, I yeah,
1: but okay, I spent so. like it, the entire winter more than the entire winter doing like 20 some hours of therapy a week. I didn't work. I didn't, I was fully committed to my healing Mm -hmm. and I threw myself into the program. I like, I gave myself up to my therapist and to the process and it has very much paid off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm in a way better place. I think I'm ready to get back to work. I'm ready to re-enter society. I broke up with the girl I was dating. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it happened. <laughs> Just so oh. you know,
0: I'm rolling my eyes at Dougie right That's now. That's fine. Fuck you, dude. But yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Fuck me. But yeah, so, and it's been like the amount that I've learned, I, I feel like I want to become a therapist in some, in some way. Yeah. I was in group therapy this morning and I like presented this, uh, like this written assignment I was supposed to do. And one of the gals in the group was like, Oh, have you ever considered becoming a therapist? And I was like, yeah, kind of. I think you'd be really good at it. Yeah, it's... I don't know.
0: It goes right along with your human design, too. Yeah. Being a projector and having a lot of good info to share with people.
1: Yeah. Shining a light on people. Yeah. But yeah, so that is my mental health journey, birth to present.
0: So what do you feel like, as far as the drinking goes, because you still drink... Yes. But do you feel like well I feel like just I can say from the outside looking in you're you're far less dependent on it.
1: Yeah. So the way the way I've looked at it is before I was using it to stop something. I was using it to suppress my emotions. Mm-hmm. Like so I think of that in a negative way like I was trying to take something away yeah. by drinking. Whereas now it's not it's not entirely what I'm doing. But now like I I want to drink in order to, like, loosen myself up in order yeah. to enhance having a good time. Right. So I want to use it in a, you know, in a, a positive way. Yeah. And But I still, you know, I am super socially anxious. I'm, yeah, just my social anxiety is just through the roof all the time. And so I'll have a couple of beers and get loosened up. And then sometimes... The loosened up version of me just wants to keep drinking. <laughs> so it's still,
0: so it's still something you're yes, working
1: on. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of. Uh,
0: you're trying to find your balance. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a there's a line somewhere there, and I just want to fucking ride it. <laughs> just want to ride that line. <laughs> <sighs>
0: uh, yeah. So I think it's important to talk about the fact that, like, even though you're ready to go back to life as you as. To traditional life, let's yeah. say. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not still going to have hard times, that you're not still going to have work to do. Oh, yeah. All the things, you know, because it's like you do feel like when you when you exit the program, it feels like, oh, no, I should be all better.
1: Yeah. Which is absolutely not, not the case. Yeah. It's just
0: not possible. I feel like life is just it's what a continuum of yeah. just continuous healing like, you're never going to be fully healed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, you're trying to heal from something you will never heal completely. Like, I'm always going to have depression. I feel like at some point it's going to it's gonna become more manageable than it is. Like, there's still, like, even though, like, I feel like I have my day-to-day kind of, kind of taken care of. Like, as far as, like, I'm not going to one thing isn't going to trigger me and then I'm going to instantly be in a spiral and like need to go to the hospital. But I still like suicide is like trigger warning suicide. Suicide is like, it's always in the back of my head. Yeah. Like even when everything's fine, I'm just like, Hey, we should just end it. Cause like, this is dumb. The world we live in is fucking stupid. And there's some part of me that is always like, why why do we continue doing this? Like we don't we don't want to participate in this.
0: I totally understand that. And so yeah, so But I think what's the fucking point?
1: Okay, well, the point is dialectical behavioral therapy. The point is life can be and is worth living even with pain and sorrow and suffering. Because we can't, like, maybe me as myself, I can't, like, change the entire world, but I can, through my healing, I can help my children to not have to go through everything I've gone through. They're still going to go through shit, Mm -hmm. but it will be, I feel like I can better prepare them to go through shit because of what I've learned. And then I can also, like, I can help people around me who will then, in turn help people around them yeah. and so like we can in some way change the world by changing our world
0: and like yeah. who we have in our
1: world yeah because if you change the people around you like that's essentially your world yeah I agree so totally. I don't
0: and I think too both of us are kind of at this like we're committed to staying despite still having, like, suicidal ideation, whatever. Um, And I would like to hope as well that, like, as time goes on, those suicidal thoughts will become less and less as we become, like, more... We're we're just
1: now learning how to be our most authentic selves. Yeah. Like, I don't think I ever really knew who I was before because I was just... I was following the rules that Mm -hmm. I was raised... To believe were right.
0: Yeah, and now you're you're figuring out your own values, your own rules, and I think the more we become comfortable with with our authentic selves and whatnot, that that the suicidal ideation will lessen. Yeah. Or well, at least the way we deal with it will lessen. Yeah. At least because who knows? Like I know there are people who just always have suicidal ideation. Yeah. So the way that we approach it or respond to it will get better.
1: Well, like the good times, the good times, maybe more good times will happen Mm -hmm. closer together rather than the super long lows with occasional spurts of happiness. Yeah. That it seems like it kind of is now Mm -hmm. where, you know, we'll learn how to put ourselves in more situations that will make us just feel better. On a regular basis. That's my goal, anyway.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that's part of DBT, right? Is, like, there's... DBT is super helpful. And one of them is BPE, build positive experiences. One of
1: the... Um, One of the aspects, I guess, of DBT?
0: Yeah. BPE, build positive experiences. I think that's a huge one. Because you have to have things to look forward to. And you have to be... You have to be initiating and, like, planning things and...
1: Yeah, let me... Somewhere in my notes I have I have something that's very relevant to that. But, yeah, it's essentially creating good memories so that... And making plans to create more memories so that, one, you have something to look forward to. And, two, you have something to look back on. Yeah. So it's like there's evidence that life is not shitty. Yeah. And that I'm not a terrible person because... These good things have happened to me.
0: Okay, I have to go blow my nose really quick.
1: Gross. you right back. Okay. Oh my
0: gosh, seriously, gross.
1: Okay. Oh, dude. So now it's just me? Yeah. So here's one of the things that I wrote down for one of my groups. There are there are we have beliefs, we have behaviors, and we have situations. And so, like, this situation happens, and then this triggers a belief that we have about ourselves, where it's like, I reach out to somebody for help. Like I text somebody and I say, look, I'm having a really hard time. And then I get no response, nothing, radio silence. So one of the beliefs that I have is like, I don't matter. And like, I'm on my own and I can't rely on anybody else. And so me reaching out and getting a non-response reinforces that belief, which then causes the behavior of for me to isolate, for me to stop reaching out to people, and then for me to like think, um, if they're not going to help me, I'm not going to help them. And then it just turns into this: these three things, situations, beliefs, and behaviors, they're all interconnected. Because if you change your behavior, you can change your belief. And because you've changed your behavior, you'll put yourself in better situations that can then change your beliefs, which can then trigger behaviors, situations, and beliefs. Yeah. So it can be a positive and a negative loop spiral. Well, and in the
0: positive aspect of it, you're basically setting yourself up for success.
1: Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. I'm 37 and a half years in and... uh, Going to be making it any day now, dude. It's right around the
0: fucking corner. Same. Yes. My future is so bright.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) Your future is so bright. That brings us to toxic positivity. Let's talk about that, dude. Let's
0: talk about that. Let's talk about like no negative vibes. Yeah. Okay, so. No bad days. Maybe not everyone knows what toxic positivity means. Let's give some
1: examples of what toxic positivity is. We just did.
0: Have you, have you tried yoga?
1: Oh my God. Like, look at the sunrise. Like, it is impossible to be sad and look at a sunrise.
0: Too blessed to be depressed.
1: Yes! So, toxic positivity is people that don't deal with regular daily depression telling you to stop being sad. Yeah. Because, for them, like...
0: Look on the bright side. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, oh, people have it so much worse. Where it's like, if you have a broken leg, well, it's like, okay, well, that guy's that guy's paralyzed. Yeah. Okay, cool. I still have a broken fucking leg yeah. that I need to deal with. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's basically invalidating somebody's struggles. Because it's like, no matter, like, everyone is, there's always going to be someone worse off than you.
1: Always. <laughs> there's someone... Who's the worst off in the entire world? Can you imagine? Sucks to be a oh, man and they probably don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He
0: sounds so evil. That right
1: poor son we of a both bitch.
0: Laughed so hard at that. Ugh. But I think it's just toxic positivity is basically invalidating other people's struggles. Like with DBT, the word and, yep, instead Is very of but. instead of, yeah, and instead of but is very important. Because but kind of once again invalidates,
1: yeah, but invalidates the first part of the sentence mm-hmm. in my brain, there's always a perceived threat, that's mm-hmm. what my anxiety is mm-hmm. it's it's my caveman brain yeah. saying, there is a tiger <laughs> watching you <laughs>
0: and you're like, but so I think the point of like us talking about toxic positivity is uh, don't do that
1: yes. But, just shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> just validate people. Just support people where they're at with what their struggle is. Yeah. Well, that's just, the whole point.
1: A big thing is like when I was married, uh, my, so my ex-wife, she would like, she would come to me with problems not looking for solutions. So like... Mm-hmm. I think that's a big... She, yeah, yeah. She didn't need me to wasn't. solve her problem or to tell me anything about the problem other than that sucks. What you're going through is difficult. Mm-hmm. And then to ask, what can I do? Because yeah. sometimes you don't want anybody to do anything. Sometimes you just need to get the bullshit out of your head and verbalize what you're going through so that it makes more sense.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually a huge thing with men and women both. And men can get really frustrated by it because they're like, well, I have the solution. But it's like we as people, as individuals... We can come up with our own solutions. It's not even about that, really. It's about talking it out. Like you said, getting it out of your head. Well, and
1: having... So it's um, not
0: swirling around and being... And it it makes it so huge when it's in your head. When you get it out, you can almost... You can come up with your own solution. You just need somebody to care and to support you and to listen and to validate you and be like, yeah, that sucks.
1: Whether or not you actually understand what they're going through... Because it's not like, oh, you know, there's the whole thing where, like, you tell a story and then there's always that bitch that needs to one-up you. Oh, you have a cold right now? Oh, my God. I had mono once. And then I butt in and I'm like, yeah, I thought I had mono, but it turns out I was just really tired for a whole year. So hey, shut the fuck up.
0: Hey, guess what? What? I really did
1: have mono Shut ones. the fuck up. <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, sometimes, most of the time, people just want to be listened to and noticed and like just be respected as a human being. Like Mm -hmm. we don't always need our problems solved because like, I mean, we were already saying like our mental health, it's not a problem to be solved. Like it's just an aspect of life Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and we just, we need to find the joy despite the pain.
0: Yes, totally agree. So yeah. Yeah, the joy and the pain is part of what how we can feel the joy, right? Like if there was no pain,
1: yeah. Well, one of my favorite sayings is if every day was a good day, you'd never know the fucking difference. <laughs> and that's like that's so good in my line of work, like being a ditch digger and a ship box builder like When somebody fucks up, it's like, well, if we didn't fuck up every once in a while, we wouldn't know we were doing it right, you know? Yeah. So it's, you know? Well,
0: and it goes along with the, like, once you know better, you do better. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing is, like, um, being open to knowing that you don't have all the answers and that that's okay and that you're going to keep messing up and then you'll do better as you're messing up. Yeah. You'll keep doing better and you'll keep learning more. Etc., yep. etc.
1: We learn through fucking up, which is why I'm such a wise person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are very wise. Oh, shut the fuck up. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. And stop. He can't take a compliment for the life of him. Stop. 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 Dougie, take the, take the compliment. Shut the fuck up. Okay, so do you feel like there's any other DBT skills that you would like to point out? Um, or just coping skills in general.
1: Well, I mean, like, the four pillars of DBT are mindfulness, distress tolerance, emotional regulation, and interpersonal effectiveness. And those are kind of like stepping stones. Like, one builds on the other. Like, when you learn, when you can learn to be mindful, then you can actually, like, be aware of what's happening. Like, when you get triggered, you can see, like, oh, okay, like, this is happening And then distress tolerance, that's like crisis management. Mm -hmm. And then when you can kind of get your crisis management locked down, like, and to me, that's that's the day-to-day stuff. That's like, can I get out of bed? Can I brush my teeth? Can I take care of myself? Mm -hmm. Can I get myself to work? Can I do a good job? Then you get to emotional regulation and interpersonal effectiveness. And that's like figuring out who you are, finding out what you want. Mapping out your future That sort of thing And so yeah. it's You know Like you have to You can't have a successful career If you can't get out of bed Yeah And you can't get out of bed If you're fucking dead Yeah So You gotta keep yourself alive You've gotta Figure out what you wanna do And then you do it mm-hmm. And Which sounds like, a
0: lot easier than Yeah it is. Yes
1: Which I mean I'm going yes. right back to bed after this I'm fucking exhausted
0: <laughs> I know Right? Being vulnerable is so exhausting. Okay, so do you feel like you covered pretty much everything that you would like to cover? Are there other things you'd like to talk about?
1: No, I feel like I've said everything I want to say. I feel like, if anything, I've said too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So is there a specific coping skill that you use in times of distress or even just to get yourself through a really hard day? besides drinking
1: besides drinking <laughs> well, let's talk um, about music
0: i think that's a good yeah huge one well for you.
1: i'm i've also like meditation has kind of become my jam i found myself hugely triggered the like i don't know, maybe a week and a half ago and i was like i was so keyed up like i was ready to like fight a bear Like, I could see the tiger that my caveman brain is always telling me that's there. Mm -hmm. And so, but then, I, because of the skills that I've learned, like, I kind of stepped back and was like, okay, like, what is happening? Why is, why is this happening? And so, I got on the Insight Timer. uh, Please sponsor this podcast, Insight Timer.
0: Insight Timer. Big fans.
1: Huge fans. (laughs) We're practically windmills. So... I got on there and, um, I found a, a meditation. It was a, from Dr. Richard Schwartz. He does parts work. And so, yeah, so I took a minute. I, I breathed. I went in, like I did some internal work and talking to myself in my brain. And I figured out like just in the course of like a 10 minute meditation, I just, I calmed myself down i talked myself out of it and i feel like that's the mindfulness i think is the biggest skill mm-hmm. to be able to pause because there's there's a there's a there's a time frame in between stimulus and reaction and that is where all of the work happens
0: yeah and it's like getting it's learning how to Get that time frame and, like, be effective in it. Like, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, like, to
1: increase the amount of time yes. between stimulus and reaction. Yeah. And that's that's what mindfulness, I think, is. Mm-hmm. It's, like, what, what does my body want to do right now? What does my brain want to do right now? And is that an appropriate response to what's happened? Yeah, totally.
0: I also think, because Dougie's a songwriter and... I think that's a huge part of how you process things and how you
1: kind of work through your emotions, don't you think? Yeah, because it's not always, it's not always what specifically I'm trying to work through. It's just like, I guess it's kind of just the physical act of like strumming a guitar with one hand and doing the chords with the other and then using your brain to sing your brain and your mouth, I guess. I guess you need your mouth to sing, right?
0: Apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's that's probably activating a lot of different parts of my brain to...
0: <laughs> what the fuck are you laughing at? I just was trying to sing without my mouth open. And you didn't
1: even notice. I absolutely noticed. <laughs> yeah. I was ignoring you. Because it was fucking rude what you were doing.
0: That's it really.
1: <laughs> No, I don't give a shit. But yeah, that is another, yeah, that's more like a, that's like a next level coping mechanism. Like, cause that's, you can't sit down and play guitar if you're in crisis. Yeah. But the times when I'm calm, cause that's another big thing with, um, mental health management skills is you need to practice them when you're not in crisis. Yeah. So then it becomes more of a habit. And so then when you are in crisis, it's like, oh I need to go take a cold shower. Yeah. I won't even take my clothes off because I know it needs to happen right now. Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah. Then,
0: one other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into, like, song, book, quote stuff is we were talking about the other day how there was, like, a meme thing that you sent me that was, like, oh, I'm feeling anxious and, like, I all this stuff and then, oh, I just need a drink of water. Which is true. And it takes us back to, like, have you tried yoga? And it's, it's that it's not that those things don't work. It's that they don't work when you're in crisis. Yes. So those are things to maintain your mental health. And those things that do work. And they are important. But it's like when you're in crisis, you need a separate set of skills.
1: You can't do yoga if you're
0: dead. <laughs>
1: you can't? Well, I mean, maybe there's yoga yeah. in heaven. Ghost yoga? Ghost yoga. Oh I like man. that, like goat yoga, but with ghosts. Hey, in a haunted
0: house, yoga in a haunted house. Or what house?
1: if a bunch of dead goats? <laughs> no, I hate that. That's just sad. What, you don't think goats die? Goat ghosts?
0: We're talking ghosts of goats? You need to cut this whole thing
1: out. <laughs> I will, <would>, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's, yeah, yes, that's exactly what we were talking about, because like, Yes, like, sitting down and watching a sunrise, that is so soothing. But, like, you can't watch a sunrise if you're stuck in bed. Yeah. So, you need to, it needs to be built up. Yeah. You need to start with being Mm -hmm. able to get out of bed and get dressed and brush your hair. That's been a big thing for me, is brushing my hair. Mm. He has
0: very long hair, in case you didn't know. Yes, it's... It's longer than mine. It's a I'm little bit jealous. out of control,
1: but yeah, like there are small things that when you're in crisis you ignore, and because you can't do those small things, you can't do the big things. Yeah. So it's knowing toxic positivity.
0: Yeah, fuck toxic positivity, and it's just kind of learning the things that can get you out of crisis, so that you can do the things like understand that you need a drink of water when you're feeling anxious or that you need a meal or that oh if I do some meditation right now that will help me so I highly recommend people learn some crisis skills look it up look it up bitches okay I'm I really hesitate to ask this question but is there a song you would like to add to the psych
1: patient playlist Nettie, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) There is a song by a band called Peaches, and the name of the song is Fuck the Pain Away. And I just, it really. It speaks to me on a deep spiritual level, and
0: you know, there's a really good chance I'm not actually going to add that to the psych patient playlist. Right? That's okay. Is Everybody there, knows that it's there. Is that? Is there another song that doesn't have to do with yes. drinking well, or fucking the pain
1: away? Music is a very huge part of my life. I'm wearing my Jessica Lee Mayfield hat today, so let's let's add "Standing in the Sun."
0: Okay. Done, done deal.
1: But also, fuck the pain away by peaches. <laughs>
0: okay, thanks uh. for that. You're very welcome. Um, is there a book? And it's okay if there's not, but does there happen to be a book out there that has helped you through a hard time? Or uh, yes,
1: the Bible. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate that.
0: Oh, man. Woo!
1: should have seen that one yes. coming a mile away. Yeah,
0: you should have.
1: <laughs> um, I really like, I mean therapy-wise, the book No Bad Parts, No Bad Parts by Dr. Richard Schwartz PhD. Okay. It's I still haven't gotten through the whole thing, but he is brilliant. Awesome. And it just maybe it's not for everybody, but it's definitely for me. Awesome. Do you happen to have any
0: quotes that you want to share?
1: Yes. Let's hear it, dude. I have a quote from me.
0: Uh, even better. I love that shit.
1: So, this came up. It it came to me like lightning to my brain during a, uh, a therapy group. And we were talking about negative core beliefs. And one negative core belief that I personally have is that I am a burden. And... I am a burden worth bearing.
0: Everyone's a burden in their own way.
1: Yeah. So it's like, I am a burden worth bearing. Well, and that's like, that's the essence of human connection is like, we rely on each other because we have to. Yeah. And there are people who I, I love that, that they rely on me. I love that they can count on me. And so in a lot of ways they are a burden and it's an honor. For me to help them, yeah, and it's also difficult to be helped, yeah, especially growing up in Mormon culture where it's like you help, you're yeah, the helper. If you're not being of service, then you are no good. Mm-hmm. You're what? What good are you?
0: Yeah, that's what we've been internalized. Really. Yes. Um. Okay, and then I have a quote that I feel like goes good with kind of what we've been talking about this whole episode. Now it makes you want to find, like, a silly quote. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Fuck you. All right. This is from Corey Allen. Uh, just... The
1: late great Sir Corey <laughs> of Allen. I
0: don't know if he's late or great, but I just know that I like this quote. Okay. It, he says, it's not about trying to avoid the tough moments in life. It's about being present, clear-minded, and emotionally mature enough to feel confident that you can deal with them when they appear. What do you think of that quote? That's pretty good, right? That's kind of like the goal, isn't it? It's yeah. like We don't expect, like, thing, life can't be easy. Life is hard. Yeah. So the goal is to learn how to deal with the hard moments without it completely destroying you.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's kind of, I think, what both of us are working toward.
1: And also, like, one of the things I pride myself on is laughing through Mm -hmm. difficult situations. Like, not so much my own personal, like, internal situations, but, like, you know, like, when the battery died in my truck. You know, I'm just laughing my head off Mm -hmm. because, like, what a ridiculous situation. There's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. My battery shit the bed, so now I have to deal with it. So I might as well just... Enjoy dealing with it rather than making myself miserable, which I already am.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think so. humor humor, and laughter is a huge, huge thing for getting through hard times.
1: Yes. So everybody out there, please check up on your funny friends. Seriously. They're no. having a hard time. <laughs> <sighs>
0: Everybody's mental health matters. Not to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're getting in a...
1: I feel like...
0: It's been nice to have another dude on a podcast.
1: Yes. I, one of the things that I pride myself on is that um, through me being open with uh, going to therapy, with having a difficult time, mm-hmm. like anxiety-wise, depression-wise, like yeah, I have helped other dudes like at work... Open up and like, oh, hey, I've been thinking about getting a therapist. And I'm just like, yes. And yes. like, I have helped walk people through the Psychology Today mm-hmm. website and look for therapists. And it's so, it's great because, yeah, especially in my line of work, you know, a blue collar, filthy, ditch digging, sons of bitches. <laughs> they're, they're having a hard time. Yeah. Same as everybody else. Yeah. And you can't always just buckle down and muscle through. Yeah. You gotta. Sometimes we need help.
0: Yep. And so. I think, yeah, you are an open book, and I think that's very admirable. Um. Okay. So I think here is where we say.
1: Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't.
0: No, that's not what I was gonna say.
1: Usually, she says a very triggering Mormon phrase <laughs> that makes me puke and cry. <laughs> And shit and piss. That's
0: not no
1: because yes, you, I puke and cry and piss and shit. No,
0: can you imagine? If
1: so? Yes, I, I like, can because I do it.
0: Stop. Sorry, I will stop. You off. I was gonna say I would love to go to a Mormon church where someone's bearing their testimony and have them say at the end in the name of psych patients everywhere. Amen. I would love
1: to go to a Mormon church and uh, just boo somebody <laughs> for saying the word Jesus Christ or whatever, you know?
0: Okay. No.
1: Today's ending. What did we decide today's ending was going to be? What? <laughs> Okay, for everybody that can't see what's going on, Nettie is pantomiming something. Jazz hands. A puppy. A sad puppy. A palm. Oh! oh! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna count us down and we'll say it. Okay? Kay. On. Get your paw out of the water! <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, I totally forgot. Why didn't you just tell me what it was? Okay, and right here is where you start the outro. <laughs> okay. And- <laughs> <laughs>